I'm Matt Gary Fisher, and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week, I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects, and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. On this episode, I talked to Vimala Shishadri, who left a very successful career in the pharmaceutical industry in the US to start an orphanage in India, where she has raised personally 15 kids in the last 20 years. Incredible. I actually met Vimala at a neuro-linguistic programming or NLP online training that I ran, and she's an amazing leadership coach herself. In this interview, we explore her dramatic career and life transition, one which started on a fateful night in the woods of Michigan. If you can relate to being a financial success, being promoted up the corporate ladder, achieving your career goals, but feeling empty and unfulfilled inside, this episode is for you. We discuss sitting with yourself to find the answers within for deciding your next life path, overcoming resistance from family and friends for walking away from a well-paying, successful career, how to recognize when you're going against the grain and what it's like to live with purpose and overcoming challenges like money issues with this new purpose. I was personally deeply inspired by this interview and I hope you are too. The full show notes and videos of other interviews are available at burnfromwithin.com forward slash interviews so listen all the way through and enjoy back in the us a number of years ago you were in academia for a while you, you were trained in clinical research and, and you know pharmacology you had a major life transition right and where you actually right. moved to india let's kind of fast forward to that fateful night the fateful night yeah. where you were just unhappy about what was going on so tell me a little bit about what happened just before that night and about that night, because that's a, a time of transition. Right. So at that point in my life, I was working in a very, very senior level job and I was only 28 and I really enjoyed the job. It was, I was traveling. I was going first class. Financially, I was extremely secure, but I would come home every day and feel like, okay, what's next? And that had been happening for a few months and there was a lot of pressure for me from my parents to consider marriage and it just did not seem right for me and I didn't know why. And I was in this just limbo phase and I came back, I remember very clearly, I came back from horseback riding and just said, why am I doing this? And I started crying and it led to three days of just nonstop, I just need to know why I'm on this earth and that deep sense of purpose, and I needed to know. And so I actually stepped out of my world and went into prayer and just sat with myself in the woods of Michigan and just sat there and decided I was going to figure this out. I had a lot of support around me, but I was silent for five days and just went within. And the only thing that I could think about, that only thing that really came up visually and even auditorily at that point, was work with kids. And I wasn't working with kids at all. So it was a big surprise for me. Right. So, I mean, what obviously you, you burst into tears. You, you were upset about something and that 
is what prompted you to reflect from within. What do you think was it about either your life or your career that made you so upset? Was there certain aspects that, you know, just weren't, weren't sitting with you well? Or what, what was it in particular? I think I just felt like, I felt empty. I was like a robot. I was just going to work, mm. doing my thing, doing it well. It, it wasn't about not being successful at the time. I was doing it well, but it wasn't fulfilling. Mm. So I fulfilled it with going shopping, you know, horseback riding, and I was going out with friends. But the next step, everybody told me was, well, once you get married, then this will all just kind of resolve itself. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know if that was right for me. It didn't feel mm. right for me at the time. But that real sense of what's the big deal? If, if, I'm, if I do this work or if I don't do this work, it's really not going to make an impact in the world. And I think that's when I really kind of felt miserable that I could actually live on this planet and die and never really make a difference or never mm-hmm. really know if this is, this is what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life, really know it in my heart. There was a book, I think, The Death of Ivan Illich. And in mm-hmm. the end of the book, he says, he goes, what if, you know, I didn't do what I was supposed to do while I was here? And mm-hmm. that, those kinds of thoughts kept coming to me again and again, saying, is this, this, this all life is? And everyone around me seemed happy in going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, having that life, it just, something just didn't sit right with me. Right. And right before I had this job, I was working in the university where I had students and I had patients. Mm-hmm. And I think, that was very purposeful for me. Right. But then shifting to the corporate world, and I was there for about a year, year and a half, it just felt like, so what? And then you sat for five days and you were essentially meditating or praying, mm-hmm. getting some visuals and, and, and hearing, listening to your own inner voice, and sure. children came up. So how did children come up exactly? And, and where do you think that was from? So I chose to pray to various, various forms and various religions. So I did, I started with Hinduism, went to Christianity, went to Buddhism. And every time I went to pray, I would see children. So I would see like baby Krishna. I would see baby Jesus and they would talk to me. And even Buddha in the very, when he was very young, when he started, that's the form that came to me. And I kept thinking to myself, maybe I have to do something with kids. And I I would ask the question, if you want me to do something with kids, show me the way. Because I don't work with kids right now. I have no training with them. And but I love children. And I, you know, I'm great with my nieces and nephews and my and my friends' kids. And I, I did a lot of babysitting even as an adult. I would take care of my friends' kids so they can go away for weekends. And but that wasn't what this was about. I knew that innately I had a connection to children. And I had no idea what working with children was. Maybe I, and I, at one point I even thought, well, maybe I have to go back and study child psychology. That could be very helpful. Actually never did that, but it was, there were a lot of thoughts that went in. And finally, when I closed the prayer, I did promise that I would live a simple life and work with children. And those were my two big promises that I've maintained throughout my life. It was one of those couldn't go back to the fancy life that I had before and never step back into that life. And what happened? So what happened next? So you, you had this revelation, I'm going to live a simple life and I want to, I'm going to work with children. I'm going to, I'm going to help children. What happened next after that? I went back home to my home in St. Louis and the first message on my answering machine 
was from Shriners Hospital where I volunteered. And Shriners Hospital is a hospital for children with orthopedic surgical needs. And they would do all the surgeries for free. And they just left a message saying, hey, there's a girl from India that's just arrived and she's really scared. Could you come and see her? Because you're Indian, if you could help or kind of help the, from the Indian community, is there anything you could do? And I went the very next day that so I, I went back on a Sunday, that Monday evening, I went back after work and just met this adorable girl who was 12 years old and having spinal surgery and was scared out of her mind. And she was part of an organization and I got very attached to the little girl and the organization and kind of stayed with her the entire time she was in, in the U.S. And she actually came to my mom's house before she left. She was flying out of Chicago and I became her medical escort back to mm -hmm. India. And I hadn't been back to India in at that point, probably around 13, 14 years. I'd gone back when I was like 15 years old and uh, didn't really like India that much because it was really hot and not the kind of place I would want to, to live. But I went back with her because she needed help. And I just loved the orphanage uh, that she was in, uh, the home. And there were boys and girls. And I just said, okay, I think I could do this. I spent two weeks. I spent all my vacation time in, in India because it was going to take me that much time to train people to take care of her. And spent two weeks there and just fell in love with India. Came back home and told my parents that, yeah, I'm going to go back. I said, I'm just going to volunteer for a year. And they said, yeah, one year, maybe get it out of your system. That's a good thing. And uh, one year ended up becoming three years. So, and then went back to the U.S. for a little bit of time, started my own organization, and then permanently moved to India in 2000. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, and I think the, when I went back to the U.S., I went back to the pharmaceutical industry. I went back to clinical research and did that for three years just to make money and to, you know, kind of keep my family, my, I was taking care of my mom at the time. And I could always fall back. I was like, I can always fall back because it would always give me financial security. And mm -hmm. uh, started my own home in 2000. And for the last 20 years, almost 20 years now, have raised 15 children. And wow. children from all walks of life. And that was my purpose. That's why I'm on this earth, is mm -hmm. for these kids. Yeah. And so you went back to the U.S. at some point to, to raise more money when you needed right. to, right? What was it like when you went back to that industry, not necessarily living your purpose, but, but doing something else? What was that like? Um, scary. Transitioning back from a third world country to a first world country, first of all, is culture shock. Mm. I really struggled with how to manage the, the dichotomies of the world, the real challenges of severe poverty and lack to surplus and indulgences. It took me a while to transition back into the culture of the U.S. And I was taking care of my mom and I knew that I had to raise money. And so I worked and going back to the pharmaceutical industry at that point, I felt like the purpose that I was there was to raise money for my own organization, but also to get research. And I, the research was very important. I was doing at that time what I consider really important outcomes research on how drugs affected people after they've been on it. I thought it was fascinating. So it was always nice to go back to that knowledge base. And the company that I worked for was a very small company and was just, it was just perfect for what I wanted to do. And it aligned myself to what I 
wanted to do was help people. I also worked in a drugstore. So I also, because I just wanted to kind of keep the fam- my, my family going and to put away enough money for my dream and to make that dream a reality. Okay. And when you went back to, to America, was there a conflict in, in values? I guess when you, yeah. when you lived in India for, for a while and you were working with kids, you were working in an orphanage, then you went back to the corporate life. How did you find living your values or not living your values at the time? It was really hard. The first year, I think I cried almost every day driving wow. home. And I would come home and my mom's like, what what happened? I said, no, I just have allergies. And I just said, I have allergies for, and it wasn't until I started my own home and dreaming about it and putting that, putting a lot of energy into that, that I could actually step in to say yes. Because it just seemed so, I I wasn't in balance because I missed the children that I left and I wasn't going to go back to them. I knew I had to take care of my mom and I knew I had to be in the US for her. And to say goodbye to 50 kids was really, really hard. And to also know that maybe something bigger is waiting for me and to have that faith that maybe something else, not knowing what that is. But it wasn't working and doing that, that I knew. I just didn't know when and how and all of that. Once I decided that, and this was after a year of working, that I wanted to start my own home. And my mom was on board and said, yes, you should do something because this isn't, you're not happy. And she didn't want to be the, the, a burden to me. And I said, no, I'll just keep dreaming. And I used to draw houses of how I would see my own house. And I would start, and I started writing mission statements and learned how to kind of run a nonprofit organization, just took some classes and spent my time doing that. And Started, you know, just started putting people together who would want to support me, like-minded people, got a board and all of that, which I had no idea how to do. And just knew that I wanted to do something very small and something very purposeful and meaningful and very tact, working with the children, very tactically working with kids, mm-hmm. not just living in the U.S. That wasn't going to work for me. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty major life transition, moving to India, first of all, changing from a corporate lifestyle and living a simpler life, you know, but living a, a simple life, helping kids. There's, you mentioned there was some elements of resistance that you had during that transition. Now, one of them was was your parents. They were like, why? I think you, you said earlier uh, to me before we recorded that you said to, to your mom, I believe you, I'm going to go to India for a year just to, you know, because I want to try this out. And she said to you, you'll come back in three months. Was there any other kind of major resistance to, to kind of stop you in this dream, which a lot of people would say might be a pipe dream? Right. The biggest resistance were from my parents and mm. my friends thought, you're crazy. You're, I sold furniture you know, to them and they're like, why are you doing this? I don't get this. And I said, I don't know. I just have to do this. And mm. the, you know, there were a lot of friends who said, yeah, this is, you know, I could see that you really want to do this, but please be careful. It's, you know, and they started looking up stuff on India and saying, you know, it's, it's like where you're going, it's like the average temperature is 95 degrees. I'm sure <laughs> you want to go there. And I'm not, I never really liked Indian food <laughs> when I first moved there. So my parents so were internal like, resistance as well. There is yeah, resistance like, to the temperature and the food. <laughs> food, the temperature, I didn't know the language, but there was a part of me. I remember there was one 
moment in my life that I have like very vividly bring that up every once in a while. I was on the plane. I had just got on the plane going to India where I was going to stay there for a year. And I had my journal and I was writing. All of a sudden I just started to cry. And the song from The Sound of Music, I Have Confidence. Like I'm, in, I'm getting into this adventure, but I have confidence that I'm going to make this work. But I was crying because I was already missing my family. I was already missing like, what? Oh my God, what am I doing on this plane? And that song just really helped me kind of say, yes, but I have confidence. And yes, it's going to be hard. And yes, it's going to be miserable, possibly. But I'm going to do this. And I'm going to see where this takes me. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived, I remember just feeling, okay, I can do this. And I'm just going to take it one day at a time and see what happens. Yeah. And as soon as I met the kids and I had been there in February, this was in June, he just came running to me and everything just disappeared out of my head. Called my parents right away, of course. And I, other than that, I, whenever they called or I would always just tell them all the great stuff that was happening. I would write, we were writing letters because there was, we didn't have internet back then. Mm-hmm. And we would write, I would write letters back and forth to my parents saying, this is so amazing. This is so fantastic. That got them a little even more nervous. Right. Now. Like, darn, she's not supposed to enjoy it so much. <laughs> but every, like, there were a lot of hurdles in India itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, just taking buses and trains and, but it was all an adventure for me. Yeah. I think I just chose to delete a lot of the difficulties and focus mm-hmm. on what I was there doing. And right. I was fulfilling a purpose. Mm-hmm. When you were in India, you went, you initially were going to go for a year, right? For one year and then come back. Right. So at what point did you think, you know what, actually, I think this is what I actually want to do. Like, this is not a temporary thing anymore. Like I, this is my purpose. This is what I want to be doing. What, at what point did you realize that? And how did you know that that was a a decision that you wanted to commit to? It was probably around mid-year of that first year. My parents were like, oh, can you, you know, we're having Christmas. You should come back for Christmas. And I said, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to stay the full year and I'll come back in, in June. And, and when I just sat there, I'm like, I'm giving up Christmas. You know, my friends were even like excited to say, Hey, why don't you just come back just for a couple of weeks? I said, well, I can't afford it. First of all, I don't want to, I'd rather spend the money here for the kids than spend it on coming back. And I remember thinking, yeah, this is really what I want to do. And I kind of felt really lucky and really like this was a gift mm. that was given to me. I was so much, I was in a lot of gratitude and said, yes, I can always have Christmas back home next year. You know, there's always going to be a Christmas, but yeah. this Christmas I'm going to be here. And I really knew at that point, there was a little thing inside of me that just said, yeah, you may want to stay here longer mm-hmm. and we're going to have to figure that out. And when I actually went back after a year, my sisters came to pick me up from India because I don't think they believed that I would come back on my own. So when I came back with my sister, it took me about four months of staying in the U.S. and just being miserable. And my parents saying, yeah, you're going to go back. And they came back with me this time. Wow. And they saw where I was and they said, okay. I said, yeah, I'm going to do this until I don't until I do not do this, until I either run out of money or I can't, you know, I just won't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was another two years before I left. I went back to the U.S. When you compare a typical day when you're in corporate America, in the pharmaceutical industry, to a typical day that you have now, 
well, certainly you've had in the last few years working with with the children. What elements of your day do you miss in corporate America? And what elements do you realize, wow, I'm, I'm so much more passionate now about and excited about what I do now, where you are now? Very interesting question. And I'll, and I'll probably share it from an experience that I had. One of, my, one of my girls was injured and had to go to the hospital. And when I got into the hospital, I just had this wave of, oh my God, this could have been my life. I could have been doing research and I could have been doing all of this. And I remember that moment very clearly right. because it was something that I could have done. And then like, it was just one of these fleeting thoughts that you have. And every once in a while, I, I, I imagine what if, I hadn't done this and I came back after a year and I just went back to working and thought, yeah, I think I would be a completely different person than what I am now. Mm -hmm. Not so if it's right or wrong, good or bad, but I have a feeling it would have been a much more difficult life for me. I see the life in what way, in what way would it be more difficult? Would you say? Cause I think I would have been like, I would have been going against my grain. I would have been like paddling up the, up the stream. I would have probably gotten married and might have gotten a divorce because it wouldn't have fulfilled me. I would have found, it would not have, it would not have made me who I, what made me whole. And that I thought that was what's going to make me whole. May have had my own kids. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all a dream, right? So, but I can imagine working and just working now with the purpose of making money and making more money. And I could just see that kind of life just being so not me and just going up against the grain. There would have been, I'm sure I would have had a lot of happy times and stuff like that, but it would not have fulfilled me yeah. the way that my life and my kids. And I mean, every day I look at them and I say, I'm here because of you guys. Mm. You guys make me want to live. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you use that, that kind of metaphor going against the grain. What's, what is going with the grain for you? Going with the grain would be serving and mm-hmm. just doing, doing what I doing what was in my heart in taking care of these kids who had absolutely no one else in the world who could have done what's, what we've done in our home for them and knowing that that's what had to happen. That was like mm. a purpose. Yeah. And that, that feeling of just, this is right. Mm. And I was always, I, no matter what happened, we had a lot of tragedies, a lot of things that were struggles, but everything felt like I was going along with the flow. Yeah. Even in the toughest times, I always said, no, I, this is what I have to do. I can't stop mm-hmm. this. We had yeah. no money. And I would say, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to, we've got, we're going to make this work. But it was going along with the flow as opposed to going against. Have you experienced going along with the flow in, before you went to India, that feeling of going with the flow? I think I was. I think when I worked in academia mm-hmm. and I had students and I had patience and I felt there was a need and a purpose for me. Oh, no, because I had to, had to help people graduate and help people learn and had to take care of my patients and in the clinics and worked with, I was on a surgical team and we, they needed me. And I felt like that was a big part of service. And I was really fulfilling something that was very, very deep within Mm. me. Mm. And when I left that and I went to corporate, that kind of went away. Yeah. So for me, I'm just observing what you, the patterns you were doing. So you had an idea about children from all the meditations and visualizations you were doing. It wasn't until you actually tested that idea 
to see how it how it resonated with you and it, you felt right. about it that that you really knew that that was your purpose. And even looking back, you know, you were talking about going against the grain and with the grain. Looking back right. in your life, the moments where you were serving other people, where you people that depended on you, people that needed right. you, that's when you knew. Even in academia, but now in India with this this house of, of children, that's when you knew you were going with the grain. So that was, would you say that was the structure of part of your purpose? Of absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay. My sisters and I about a couple, few years ago, we we lived in the U.S. and we talked about what's the word that described our childhood, and we all said it was so strange. All of us independently, we wrote down. He said the word was to give. And for me, it was service. And for my, for my sisters, it was giving. Mm-hmm. And we all came from that space because I think that's what my parents wanted us to do. Yeah. We were always, it was always us second, but everybody else first. And if people needed something, you just went ahead and you just did it. Mm-hmm. I still live by that. And I think that that just was exponentially grown with my circumstances and the choices that I made in starting my own home. Mm-hmm. I was able to really just completely be in that space of service. Yeah. I think I still do that, which is probably why coaching and leadership is so aligned to service and mm-hmm. helping people and helping create change in people. So anything that's aligned to that will be fine. I'll go with the flow. As mm-hmm. soon as it isn't, I'll pull back and say, yeah, that's not, that's not right for me. So let's talk about how you got into coaching as well and, and leadership coaching in particular. So you went into serving kids. Now you're also supporting business leaders. Where did that inspiration come from? So in 2003, we became extremely, extremely poor. 9-11 happened. So funding from the US kind of became a little bit scant. And then there was a bombing in India of the parliament and they stopped foreign funds to come in also. So I was going hand to mouth at one point and wasn't working. And I was taking care of, at that time we had eight, I had eight children and I had staff to pay because, you know, we had school fees to pay. And I just decided that I had to go back to doing some sort of work. And at that time in India, the, the voice, the BPO industry was kind of beginning and they needed people to speak like me. So I became a voice and accent coach and a trainer, but it wasn't enough to make ends meet. And I ended up going back to the pharmaceutical industry again, by grace of God, and got a very good job working. And I was working from home so I could take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. And I did that for about from 2006 to 2010, but I was still dabbling in some sort of leadership training and business communication training for another company also, but that was only on weekends. and. I kept kind of keeping myself in that because it was fun. It was just nothing but fun. And, but I left the pharmaceutical industry in 2010, just kind of saying, this is, I cannot do this anymore. It's not aligned to what I want to do. I don't need this kind of money anymore. And I don't want this money to come from this source. And so I quit. And at the same time that I quit, a friend of mine in Bangalore said, Hey, I'm looking for somebody to do some business communication training. Would you be interested? And she said, I'm also doing a coaching program. Would you be interested in that? I had no idea what that was. Stepped into it and said, because and it's, it's really about helping people. And that sounded great to me. <laughs> so I said, yeah, let me see what that's about. And I did my, I did my Erickson coaching program in India and uh, just loved it. Just, you know, thought, oh my God, I can talk like this. I can actually change the way I'm 
asking questions and how the profound effect it had on me as a as a parent and as a as a person uh, as a friend. I said, yes, this is this is awesome. And so I started doing more work for her in leadership and trained by her and all these amazing other coaches and facilitators. And I just loved it. And by that time, my kids were a little bit older. I had kids who were in their 20s and they were able to take care of little kids if I needed to go out and work. And Mm -hmm. they actually liked me working. They liked to see me working and they saw that I was happy working. So yeah, that was a big transition for me also to go from a stay-at-home mom, taking care of these kids, even if I was working for the pharmaceutical at that time in research, I was still from home. I was still home-based. Yeah. And I went from that to traveling and coaching. And the kids and I, we talked a lot about it. And they said, no, you, you like this. Go ahead and do it. We can take care. And I did. And I just stepped into that space. Again, not really knowing what was going to come of it. And now, almost 10 years later... I could not imagine what I would have done had I stayed in the pharmaceutical again. Just could not have. I would have just done it as a routine job. I got to do it to, to pay the bills. And that was yeah, it. yeah. Whereas this, I just love. And mm-hmm. I've helped my kids grow with it. And I mean, it all, from, from what I can see, it all stemmed from knowing as part of your purpose that you love helping people. And so an opportunity came up from a friend of yours in Bangalore right. where, you know, you could potentially help people. You could help business leaders with communication, but then also you could help other people in many different ways by by learning coaching, by coaching people as well. So that clarity, that self-awareness of I want to help people, so key because when opportunities come and you have that awareness, then you take them knowing that you are going with the grain potentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and years later, in I, I started my NLP journey in 2015. Mm-hmm. And again, that was just to make my life even more supportive to what I was doing with the kids and what I wanted to do with parents possibly, or, you know, with helping people again. So every step, everything that, that kind of came, I said, if, is this going to help me help people? Then I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask uh, a question about your kids actually like if one of your kids came up to you and they were in the position that you were in when you were crying back in the US and you just felt empty you felt unfulfilled you had no you didn't feel like you had a meaning in life what would you tell them to do how would you get them to figure out a way well two things i come i'd go back to my own experience saying you have the resources in you to figure this out. I can't tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And if you sit long enough and if you really, really go deep, you will find out what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. I am one of my girls actually, since she came, she came to me when she was about eight years old and her entire life, she wanted to be a teacher. She wanted to be a teacher. She wanted to be a teacher. She finally finished. She became a teacher. She taught <laughs> for years. And then she said, this is, I want to be a teacher and this is great. Cause I said, Oh, let's go to the next level. Do you want to go and get your master's or what do you want to do? And she said, I actually just want to have a family. And she really struggled with that for many years, like almost three years before she finally got married last year. And when she got married, she goes, this is the right thing for me. And I said, I know. And it's not, and I, it was hard for me because I'm like, really? You don't want to be a teacher. And she goes, I want to be a teacher, but I want to have a family. 
I want to have my own family. And she, again, went out and she had to figure out her way to do that. She had to navigate mm. that for herself. Would not have been something that I would have even thought about for her. Yeah. And, but as soon as she voiced it and the way she said it, I knew. And I said, yes, go, go for it. And um, whatever it takes, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And when she got married, there's, there's just this moment that she goes, it's right for me. I said, I know it is. Go, just, you know, yeah. you're going to be happy doing this. So, yeah, and I just think I have another child who entered the corporate field and is climbing the corporate ladder. And I'm like, climb away, love. (laughs) (laughs) If that's what you want to do, just go ahead and do it. And I said, I've got so many kids. Each one of them has done something so different. And it's right for them. Yeah. And it'll change for them also. That's the other thing that I've learned is that it's not, it's just for now. And there'll be an element of something that they want to do. Something that's linked, kind of like how you were saying the whole thing around doing things for others. That's going to be the link for me, but it may not be for my kids. There's going to be something else for them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your life, your life changes. Nothing stays the same. And, you know, one career in one part of your life might serve you. And then Mm -hmm. you might do something different. Your circumstances might change. I interviewed someone who was in Wall Street and then he went in to start his own tour business and then he pivoted from that and now he's in he went into the health coaching field and now and now he's in real estate and it things change things change his life changed his his he had a family he had many different requirements and different passions and all of those things evolved and so he always had a purpose of of serving people living his living his passion and following his heart so i wanted to talk about balance in my my last few questions from that how much balance would you say you have in your life now in India doing coaching, leadership and running this, this house of and raising amazing children? How much balance would you say you have now versus when you were back in corporate America in the pharmaceutical industry? So the balance that I have now is actually perfect because I'm not working full time. Mm-hmm. I have my time is I can schedule my programs. I can schedule my coaching sessions around when my kids need me. My youngest right now is eight and my oldest is 33. So I have the gamut of kids, but I only have about three or four kids who really need me full time. Mm-hmm. All my other kids have gone off and they're, they're all very independent. Yeah. But these last four kids, they still need me. So I need to have, and that's my priority. And then my coaching and my, and my other work and my facilitation and my programs are all second. In saying that, I do have my older kids. Some of them still live with me. And I always say, go, if you need to go travel, go do it. If you need to go and learn something, I was on a re- I was on the Goa retreat for nine days away from my family. And they're like, just go. Don't even think about us. We're gonna, we're, we're, we've got this. You've taught us everything we can take care. Um, they were glad when I came back <laughs> because... <laughs> But it was a good, it was good for them also to kind of experience that. So that balance is there now. The balance that I had in the U.S. was more of, because it was just me. Yeah. It was, and I think that for me at least, from my experience and the way I have, how I consider the world is, if I'm not living on purpose, I'm not in balance. If I don't feel like this is something that is meaningful, and I don't know why I'm doing something. There's, what's the importance of what I'm doing and what's the value that I'm bringing 
to the world, that's when I get, get I'm not in balance for mm-hmm. me. And I realized that, that that was probably what catapulted my whole thing was this lack of balance and lack of who I was. I, you know, what was I doing? And you know, why am I even, why am I taking up oxygen mm-hmm. when it doesn't even make a difference um, yeah. in the world? Mm-hmm. So that was the imbalance that I felt back then. And how do you think you've been able to find this perfect balance? You said you prioritize your kids and then coaching and then working. I mean, has it always been like that? Or how did you transition to, to find that balance? Well, the kids were always first, even when I decided to go back to work. You know, if this gets in the way of me being able to be a really good mom or me being able to really be there for them, I would immediately, I would pull back. Or if any of the kids needed me for anything, that work always became secondary. And I think what I found in the balance is sometimes I would work too much and I would feel guilty and then I would like overcompensate with the kids. Right. And then kind of say, okay, now I have to get back to work. But not having a full-time job, not having a lot of pressure around, you know, targets and stuff like that. That is an obvious thing that I could, I don't think I could do both. For me, having saying, okay, I'm going to have five clients this month. Maybe next month I'll have six or seven. Mm-hmm. But you know, my that summer vacation coming up with the kids, so I'm going to make sure that I have less clients now and have more when they're back in school. They yeah. don't need me as much. So making sure that I'm doing that and checking with them as well as myself. Mm-hmm. But there are times when I will like probably push the ticket, saying I'm not going to work at all because my kids need me right now. Or I'm going to work really hard, kids, I'm not going to be around. And I'll, we'll have that discussion. And I remember telling my kids, I'm going to be gone for a long time. Are you guys okay with this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, at any time, it gets too much, let me know. We'll, we'll reorganize it and we'll re- rethink how we can do this. Yeah. But I think that's been the way that I've been able to create balance for myself and for them. Okay. So it's, it's communicating with, with them as well what your intentions are. Yes. If I just did it on my own, they didn't know that would create imbalance right away. Yeah. So I always, yeah, we have calendars up and, you know, when my, when my little one was really young, three and four years old, we'll say, how many, how many sleeps is mom going to be away? I'll be away three sleeps or I'll be away two sleeps. So we can count how many days. Always told them ahead of time, which really helped, I think, have them have that security. Where do you think your passion for life comes from? My faith, I think that I was blessed with amazing parents and a teacher who came into my life when I was about 18 years old. And uh, the three of them really just helped me just see my dreams, believe in myself. And I think that's what really helped me not, I, you know, it's, it's easy to have a passion. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think almost, I, I believe that everybody has a passion, but to live your passion, I think, comes from a lot of self-confidence, self-awareness, and a lot of just self-belief that mm-hmm. no matter what, I'm going to do this. And I think my upbringing and my faith helped me continue this journey of this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. My final question, Vimala. So you, I, I believe from knowing you and hearing everything you've said and you, the life you're leading now, that you live uh, a life full of passion, as you've just said, Full of purpose, certainly, and, and also you've you mentioned balance as well. You've, you've you struck a really perfect balance, at least at some points. 
recently. Yeah. What would you say? So, I mean, for all of those things, passion, purpose, and balance, I call that combination burning from within. You know, it's, right. it's not, you're not burning out in a corporate job, but you're right. actually, the, the, the fuel is within you and, and it's driving you to do what you want to do. What's the one thing that's made the biggest difference for you to burn from within? Wow, that's a powerful question. Only one, huh? Only one. <laughs> Only one. No more than one. <laughs> my, 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 I think it's just my sense of purpose and living a life on purpose. Because if I didn't live a life on purpose, I think I would have died. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Wow. And I guess a, a tiny follow-up question to that, what's the biggest impact you've had that's enabled you to find your purpose? I know you talked about sitting within yourself what was it that uh, enabled you to get that clarity what was the one thing you think you would advise others to do to find that purpose be present just be present and with yourself shut out the rest of the voices outside and just be present and maintain that space within yourself until you figure it out yeah i mean this i think all of us have, have probably suffered from outside influence you know the media yeah. social media in particular voices from your parents from your friends right. from your employer from from everywhere and not really knowing your own voice not really knowing what you actually want to do and, and to to get that space whether it's meditating journaling a retreat music right. whatever yeah. it is but uh, to get in a state where you can just be with yourself and listen to yourself or see what what is in your mind's yeah. eye. Yeah. Is, Seeing is, is it, vital. hearing it, yeah. but also experiencing it. I mean, letting yourself dream, mm-hmm. letting yourself, even if you're in like a really restricted environment and you're just dream big and that dream can manifest if you keep at it. Yeah. I tell my kids all the time that if you can see it in your mind's eye, you can, you can, you can manifest it. You can become it, mm-hmm. but you have to see it. And like, almost like you can see yourself in a mirror. You can see that picture of you, of your future you. Yeah. That's been a gift <laughs> to be able to do for yeah. myself. I love it. I love it. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I got into to NLP and coaching as well. It's to be able to, to tap into that those inner experiences and bringing them outside in the real world, being able to connect with what, what is within you so that right. you can to live on purpose. So I'm so glad that you have that gift in abundance and you're giving that to others as a coach and I'm really living and uh, living your purpose yeah. ma- like massively, hugely. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing, you know, your journey, your journey of, of living with passion and purpose and balance and, what a amazing story. I'd love to, to read your book. I'd love you to, to publish <laughs> a, a full book. Yeah, I mean, it, it would definitely sell. I and mean, I know I'd certainly buy it. But thank you so much for your time today, Nuno. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Matt. And good luck to you as you uh, continue your journey. And again, any way we can work together, I can help you just reach out. For sure, for sure. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. I hope you're inspired by today's conversation with Vimala. Listen, if you are feeling unfulfilled in your career and you don't know which way to go next, I can help. As a certified career transition coach, I use the Firework Career Coaching Programme 
proven over the last 14 years to help thousands of people with their career transitions. And as an NLP trainer, I can gently support you to communicate within, with your unconscious mind, so that you make decisions that reflect the real you. Start getting answers from within now by downloading my free workbook, which will give you clarity on where you are, and my guided visualization creates an experience so you feel what it's like to live with passion, purpose and balance, and burn from within. You'll use your unconscious mind to come up with the next step of your career change journey yourself. And I'm happy to then have a free 20 minute call with you to discuss this and some options you can take from there. Just visit burnfromwithin.com forward slash experience.